Welcome to conference coverage highlights presented by ReachMD on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Conference coverage highlights features the latest clinical information and research findings from the American Society of Clinical Oncology's Gastrointestinal Cancer Symposium, which took place January 22nd to the 24th in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Dr. Markina. And I'm your co-host, Sue Berg. This year's meeting attracted 2,400 attendees from around the world, including 2,200 professionals. The meeting presented more than 500 abstracts on gastrointestinal cancers affecting the esophagus, stomach, hepatobiliary system, pancreas, small bowel, colon, and rectum. Highlights included screening studies that may in the future help in diagnosing cancers earlier and getting better results. Research from two studies presented at the symposium assessed markers for detecting pancreatic and gastric cancers. During a webcast held for the press on January 20th, moderator Dr. Robert P. Sticka of the University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences remarked that a growing understanding of molecular biology has helped us make enormous progress in screening, detection, and treatment for gastrointestinal cancers. These studies describe long-awaited approaches, an early detection test for pancreatic cancer, and a blood test for colon cancer. In the pancreatic cancer study, findings suggest that a simple blood test may be able to identify early pancreatic cancer. Investigators measured blood levels of PAM4 protein in 68 patients who underwent pancreatic cancer surgery and 19 healthy controls. The antigen is present in almost 90% of pancreatic cancers and precancers. Investigators found that the test had a 62% sensitivity for detecting stage 1, 86% sensitivity for detecting stage 2, and 91% sensitivity for detecting stages 3 to 4 pancreatic cancers and had an overall sensitivity of 81%. During the press briefing, Dr. Leonard Gunderson, chair of the meeting steering committee, cautioned that the test may be valuable for high-risk populations but not for the general public since it only identified 54% of stage 1A cancers. An accuracy rate of at least 80% for even the earliest stage of disease would be ideal. If validated in larger studies, PAM4 might be a promising tool for detecting pancreatic cancer in its earlier, more treatable stages before it spreads to other organs. Two authors of this study reported financial relationships with the company Immunomedics. A second study suggested that a variation in the CD44 gene may predict more aggressive types of gastric cancer. CD44 is a transmembrane glycoprotein serving as a principal receptor associated with adhesion and metastasis in gastrointestinal carcinomas. Moreover, a gastric cancer stem cell population with CD44 as the defined surface marker has been identified showing increased resistance to chemotherapy or radiation-induced cell death. Previously, it was shown that germline polymorphisms in angiogenesis pathways may serve as independent molecular prognostic markers in patients with localized gastric adenocarcinoma. In this study, investigators tested whether germline variations in CD44 could predict clinical outcomes in patients with localized gastric adenocarcinoma. Blood samples were obtained from 104 patients with localized gastric cancer between 1992 and 2008. Researchers found patients who had at least one germline variation in CD44 experienced cancer recurrence in about two years, significantly earlier than patients without the variation, who averaged seven years to recurrence. After adjusting for covariates such as chemotherapy and race, patients with germline variations remained significantly associated with shorter time to recurrence. Confirmatory trials of these markers are planned for the future.
in colorectal cancer research was presented suggesting that colorectal cancer and adenomas in early stages may be detected by a simple blood test. And a second study suggests that a newer chemotherapy regimen may be superior to standard treatment in patients with stage 3 colon cancer. In one study, researchers sought to evaluate CD24 protein expression in peripheral blood lymphocytes from normal adenoma and CRC subjects. They measured blood levels of the tumor-promoting CD24 protein in 150 patients undergoing colonoscopy. 63 patients were discovered to have colorectal cancer, 19 had adenomas, and 68 had normal colonoscopies. For detecting colorectal cancer, researchers found that the test had a sensitivity and specificity of about 92%, and for detecting adenomas, a sensitivity of about 84% and specificity of 89%. The authors say this blood test is the first of its kind to be able to detect adenomas and successfully distinguish colorectal cancer from healthy tissue. CD24 may potentially serve as a new and promising blood biomarker for the early detection and surveillance of colorectal cancer. In a second study, investigators randomly assigned over 1,800 patients with stage 3 colon cancer to receive either a newer chemotherapy regimen of capcitabine and oxaliplatin, also known as Zelox, or standard 5-fluorouracil and leucovorin chemotherapy following surgery. They found that three-year disease-free survival was significantly higher in the Zelox group at 71%, compared to the standard chemotherapy regimen group whose three-year disease-free survival was 67%. Investigators involved in a separate analysis concluded that newer adjuvant regimens were not associated with significant efficacy benefits over standard chemotherapy for patients over 70 years of age. However, investigators in the current study report Zalox's efficacy was maintained in patients over the age of 70 years. Several authors of this second study reported financial relationships with Sanofi Aventis and Hoffman LaRoche. Other colorectal cancer research suggests that polyamines may be associated with an increased risk of colorectal cancer. Polyamines are concentrated in foods such as citrus fruits, packaged non-green vegetables, and some meats. Researchers studied 188 patients in order to analyze the association between polyamine intake and the efficacy of a polyamine-inhibiting regimen of difluoromethylornithine plus sulindac to prevent precancerous colorectal adenomas. Study participants completed a dietary questionnaire at the beginning of the study. Total dietary polyamine content was calculated as the sum of dietary putrescine, spermine, and spermidine values. Investigators observed a significant direct association between dietary polyamine intake and tissue spermidine and spermine concentrations at baseline. Compared to patients with the lowest polyamine intake, researchers found that those with the highest intake were significantly more likely to present with advanced adenomas, defined as adenomas larger than 1 centimeter, villus histology, high-grade dysplasia, or multiple adenomas. They also found that the polyamine-inhibiting regimen of DFMO plus Sulindac was associated with a reduced adenoma risk only in patients with a lower polyamine intake. The authors conclude that controlling dietary polyamines may be an effective strategy for preventing the occurrence of colorectal adenomas and colorectal cancer. Other highlights of the conference included a Japanese study comparing surgery for certain forms of esophageal and gastric cancer using a standard left thoracoabdominal approach with a less invasive transhiatal approach. 167 patients were randomly assigned to either procedure. Following surgery, no adjuvant treatment was permitted until recurrence. Median follow-up time was about seven and a half years. The primary endpoint of the study was overall survival. 
Postoperative morbidity, mortality, respiratory function, and symptom scores were also evaluated. Investigators expected the standard approach of surgical entrance through the ribcage and abdomen would lead to better outcomes, but the study showed the opposite. With a more conservative transhiatal approach, five-year survival was 51% versus 37% with a more aggressive, less thorough co-abdominal procedure. Investigators also reported significantly more deterioration of respiratory function, decreased body weight, and increased symptoms observed after the standard surgical approach than with the transhiatal approach. Results were presented from the first clinical trial of TNF-arrayed biologic for locally advanced esophageal cancer. TNF is an adenovector containing the gene for tumor necrosis factor A. Despite neoadjuvant therapy and aggressive surgical resections, the prognosis for esophageal cancer remains poor. In this multi-centered dose-escalating study of 24 patients, investigators found that TNF in combination with chemoradiation and cisplatin resulted in increased survival compared to historical controls. Efficacy endpoints included pathologic complete response rate and survival. The overall median survival for the entire cohort was 47.7 months. Literature review of historical controls indicate a range of median survival from 9.7 months to 34 months. Investigators concluded this represents an encouraging increase in survival relative to historical controls and therefore warrants additional evaluation. And in the area of pancreatic cancer, results were presented from a study showing that for patients with locally advanced pancreatic cancer, a regimen of two cycles of cetuximab, gemcitabine, and oxaliplatin, followed by cetuximab, capcitabine, and radiation is beneficial. The primary endpoint was one-year overall survival, with the statistical hypothesis that this treatment would result in a one-year overall survival greater than 45%. The 69 patients in this multi-institutional Phase two trial had advanced pancreatic cancers that were, for the most part, unresectable. However, according to investigators, survival in these patients undergoing the experimental chemotherapy regimen was almost parallel with patients whose cancers could be resected. Median survival was 19 months compared to 20 months for patients who underwent surgery for resectable cancers. One group of six patients had late local relapses and no evidence of metastatic disease. Hematological events were the most common adverse events. Fatigue and gastrointestinal events were clinically the most significant. Best radiographic response measured six weeks after chemoradiation was partial response in 19% of patients. 17% had minor response, 48% had stable disease, and 15% had progressive disease. The study was sponsored by Bristol-Myers Squibb. Another study presented by researchers from the United Kingdom updated results of the largest ever Phase three trial of therapies for advanced biliary tract cancer, which showed that for improving overall survival, gemcitabine in combination with cisplatin is more effective than gemcitabine alone. The trial data have been used to develop a risk model for biliary tract cancer patients, addressing both potential prognostic and predictive factors. The baseline demographic and clinical characteristics, including tumor markers, of the patients were tested for their association with overall survival and progression-free survival using a Cox proportional hazards model. When it came to overall survival, multivariate analysis demonstrated that the tumor's location within the biliary tract did not affect survival. For example, patients with tumors in the gallbladder had a median survival of 9.6 months compared to 9.1 months for patients with tumors in other parts of the biliary tract. Site did not influence treatment benefit, and baseline liver function variables also had no effect. 
The multivariate analysis showed that important baseline predictors of survival include performance status, metastasis, neutrophilia, anemia, and thrombocytosis. Research presented suggested that in patients with hepatocellular carcinoma, treatment with sorafenib after one or two standard transarterial chemoembolization procedures does not significantly prolong time to cancer progression or recurrence. Investigators randomly assigned 458 patients from Japan and Korea to receive either 400 milligrams of sorafenib or placebo twice daily. The median time to progression or recurrence was not significantly different between the sorafenib and placebo groups, 5.4 months in the sorafenib group versus 3.7 months in the placebo group. There was also no significant group difference in overall survival. However, several exploratory secondary analyses suggested sorafenib may be beneficial. One analysis showed a median time to progression or recurrence of about seven months in the sorafenib group compared to about five months in the placebo group. The authors concluded the time to progression or recurrence was not significantly prolonged in these patients treated with sorafenib, potentially because of a greater rate of discontinuations or because of shorter durations of treatment. Research presented on a treatment for renal cancer suggests that in treatment-naive and cytokine-pretreated patients with advanced and or metastatic renal cell carcinoma, the oral angiogenesis inhibitor, pezopanib, may be an effective treatment. The study was presented at the symposium and concurrently published online January 25th in the Journal of Clinical Oncology. Investigators randomly assigned 435 patients to receive oral pezopanib or placebo. 233 patients were treatment-naive and 202 had been cytokine pretreated. The researchers found that pezopanib was associated with a significantly prolonged overall median progression-free survival of about nine months, compared to about four months with placebo. The result was similar in both the treatment-naive subpopulation, which had a survival time of 11 months when treated with pezopanib, versus 2.8 months with placebo, and the cytokine pretreated subpopulation, which had 7.4 months of progression-free survival versus 4.2 months with placebo. Adverse effects associated with pezopanib included diarrhea, hypertension, hair color changes, nausea, anorexia, and vomiting. However, the researchers found no group differences in measures of quality of life. The authors conclude that these findings support the continued evaluation of pezopanib's efficacy, safety, and impact on quality of life in this patient population. They note that a Phase three trial comparing pezopanib monotherapy with sunitinib in treatment-naive patients with advanced and or metastatic renal cell carcinoma is ongoing. Several authors reported financial relationships with GlaxoSmithKline. Thank you for listening to conference coverage highlights from the American Society of Clinical Oncology's Gastrointestinal Cancer Symposium, which took place January 22nd to 24th in Orlando, Florida. Conference coverage highlights is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD.com and powered by HealthDay.